3: And welcome to AFA at the Core. Walker Waldman is out for the day. I'm Rick Green, filling in for Walker, America's Constitution Coach. You can find out more about me at patriotacademy.com. That's our organization that informs and equips citizens of all ages to live out biblical citizenship. That means actually applying a biblical worldview to how we treat our neighbors, how we, how we vote, how we uh, form our states, what kind of laws we're going to have, what's good, what's bad, all of those things. The Bible has every single one of the answers for every single issue of the day. We just got to go there and get the answers, and then we got to have the courage to apply those answers. It used to be a lot easier in America. There was more of a unified mindset about how we wanted to live. Not that everybody was lockstep, certainly not that everybody was the same sect of Christianity. There were many different denominations in America, and not everybody was Christian. Had a good Jewish population, and... Other faiths to a small extent, but early in the founding, there was still pretty much universal agreement that the Bible was the best instruction piece for how society ought to work, and it's the reason the American system worked so well and became the envy of the world. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Guess what? I've been studying these guys and gals from the founding era for 30 years, and I found out something most people don't know. They were human. Yeah, 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 no, no, seriously, they made mistakes. In fact, some of them did downright evil things, just like you and just like me. They were human beings that were flawed, and they were, you know, creatures of their day. I mean, you look around the world in 1776, slavery in every nation on the planet, black on black, black on white, white on black, red, you name it, every color, every skin color, every combination you can possibly think of. So today, there's an effort to sort of ban the Founding Fathers and say everything that the Founding Fathers of America did was bad because some of them were slave owners and because they didn't end slavery in the, in the Constitution. And, and so you got to get past that. You got to look at what was happening in every nation in the world and realize that the Founding Fathers put in place the principles that would allow us to ultimately end slavery. In fact, to be the first nation to end the slave trade, bet you didn't know that, and the fourth nation to end slavery completely after fighting a war and 600,000 sacrificing to do that. So don't buy into a lot of the critical race theory stuff that's being taught in America today to try to get you to hate your country and, frankly, hate each other, and sometimes for our kids, even hate themselves. It's a dangerous, divisive, evil, evil thing, this critical race theory, and I have been so, so thankful for all of the parents that have gone to school board meetings and said, no, not on my watch. You're not going to teach my children to hate each other. You're not going to teach them to hate me. Uh, and that's one of the most painful things of, of this Marxism that has been seeping into our culture for decades is now you have, I, I can't tell you how many families uh, I've talked to where the parents and the children are at each other's throats over these lies of critical race theory, uh, an effort. Think about what critical race theory does. It tries to get us to judge each other based on the color of our skin, not the content of our character. Now, those words should sound familiar to you because that's exactly the opposite of what martin luther king marched for in the 60s what he fought for what he died for was to make sure that we would get rid of this judgment of each other based on color of our skin and instead our our discrimination our determination our 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 judgment of each other would be based on character if you prove yourself to be a person of low character of course i don't want to associate with you or have my kids around you if you prove yourself to be uh, someone that has high character, then I would want to be around you, and that would have nothing to do with color of skin. And man, we did a good job. I mean, it was fifty years of just scratching and clawing and fighting in the trenches and culturally to get there. But I'm proud to say that that my generation had a lot to do with 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 breaking that that curse and getting rid of that. And and raising our kids to not see race and to not judge each other based on that. And now, man, in just fifteen, really eighteen months, so much of that 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 progress has been destroyed. And and once again, we're looking at each other based on color of skin, and we're we're uh, hiring people based on color of skin, and we're we're giving out government loans based on color of skin. This is evil, evil stuff, folks. Evil, evil stuff. And it's got to be defeated. And I think it will be. I, I, I've been again thrilled to see the response. I, I know there's a lot of terrible things happening in the country. Uh, there's a lot of corruption in government, but millions of people have been awakened to that in the last year. There, there's a lot of tyranny in America. There are governors acting like kings, acting like dictators, but people have, have gotten sick of it. They've awakened to that and realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I know I was scared and I and I wanted safety. I wanted health and I was willing to give up some of my freedoms for that. But the longer it went on, they started going, you know, maybe giving up freedom for safety is not a good idea. In fact, many people throughout history have said, when you do that, you deserve neither. If you'll give up your freedom for safety, you don't deserve to have either. And I can guarantee you, if you give up your freedom for safety, you will lose both. You will not have either. It absolutely leads to tyranny. We've seen it happen in our country, We see it certainly happening. If you look at Australia right now, it's just a disaster down there. Abject fascism right now. I mean, you are not even allowed to go outside and talk to your neighbors. You get fined for talking to people outside. If you've seen the videos of them arresting the father in the park with his little three-year-old, arresting uh, people and, and quite literally, I mean, it's sickening, quite literally handcuffed and forcing a mask on a person. Uh, it is just evil evil stuff it's not just in Australia it's in uh, many European countries as well and to some extent here in the United States of America and and of course it's been it's been a long 18 19 months and we're starting to see some sanity in some states and and starting to see a shift there uh, to where people will say you know what I'm going to choose freedom over slavery I'm, I don't want to be in medical slavery to anybody I don't want anybody telling me what to do and making my decisions for me too many people, I think the human condition is that people are much more likely. Dennis Prager says this often. Freedom is not a, a natural condition or natural desire. Uh, a lot of people do say it's natural desire uh, in America. I remember George Bush giving that State of the Union address in 2000, might have been 2001 after the 9-11 attack. Seems like it was a couple of years later when he was talking about uh, some of the efforts that were going on. And, and anyway, basically saying freedom's is something in every human heart and everyone yearns for freedom. And I agree with Dennis Prager. It's not true. It's not true. Most people would rather live in slavery, rather have somebody else make all the decisions for them. Somebody else provide the roof over their head and bed and pillow and food in the cupboard. And, you know, certainly they don't desire the slavery that we think of when I say that word, not to be in chains and that sort of thing. Uh, But they desire the slavery of being literally submitted to someone else's tyranny. Not me. And I hope not you. And I hope that we have an attitude of where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. And even in a nation where there are many Problems and many, uh, many crazy, crazy things happening in our country. We can still have joy today, folks. Even in the fight, uh, that's part of why I love reading the Psalms and, and David's reliance on God and and just that understanding that there's going to be tough times. You're gonna you're gonna face some struggles in your life and. Uh, even as Walker says in the, in the lead into the program, I mean, you know, that that, that verse about counting all joy when you experience various trials, knowing that they're going to make you better. They're going to they're work a, a work of perfection in you because of that perseverance that comes from it. So think about that as you face some of the big challenges of today. I'm going to just kind of dive into some of the crazy headlines of the last couple of days and and share a few thoughts on that. And then uh, we'll be opening up the phones here in a little while and and be glad to take your calls and your comments as well. Uh, one of the stories that really got to me out of New York City. Yeah, I know insanity in New York City. I just not uh, that's not anything new, right? I mean, this is just crazy in New York. But in New York, they're they're quite they're they're saying they need to get rid of the honor roll because it makes the kids that didn't make the honor roll feel bad. So so, so we're going to say you know don't don't try to get good grades and make it to the honor roll because the kid that didn't get good grades, well you know. They might be jealous. They might be envious. There's probably a few Bible verses have something to say about that. And they they feel bad. And we're gonna we're gonna make our policy in our school based on your feelings. Just think about what that does in the long run. Th- this concept of no honor roll, because one of the kids that doesn't get it on the honor roll will feel bad. That is the result of merging two incredibly terrible ideas into our education system. The first terrible idea is this Marxist lie of egalitarianism, that that you can make people equal and they'll feel better. Every time socialism or Marxism is tried, what you get is equal misery. Brings everybody down to the lowest common denominator. And in reality, there's never equality in that way. There's always going to be the takers. There's always going to be the power grabbers in a Marxist and socialist system. And they're going to have it really good and everybody else is going to have it really bad that's how it works folks so that's the number one idea that's mixed in this education decision of no honor roll is this egalitarian idea that we're going to make everybody equal and that way there'll be nobody uh, that has to be jealous second really bad idea that's mixed into that is this this snowflake breeding idea of a feelings-based outcome the, the, this you know make sure that they have a a, a good, you know, good ego that they have, that they they self-esteem and 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 not self-esteem earned, not not, not self-esteem that comes from, hey, I worked really hard and look at the results, but self-esteem comes from just somebody saying to them, you should have good self-esteem. That doesn't work, folks. That 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 is a snowflake breeding idea. And instead of rewarding hard work and excellence, what these people in New York are encouraging is mediocrity and failure. And then I've watched it, you know, I've coached Little League sports for a long time, and I've seen it for years, this absurd idea in kids sports that everybody's a winner. Give everybody a trophy. Everybody gets the same ribbon, same trophy. Now, think about it. If everybody's a winner, then by definition, that means there's no such thing as winning. I mean, why have competition if there's no winning? You, if, if you're in a race and everybody wins, you're not in a race. You're just jogging together. You're just jogging around the track and arriving at different times and giving each other big hugs and feeling good. Now you say, well, Rick, that's the way it ought to be. We ought to just love each other and just have fun. I don't think so. Like the Bible says, run the race to win. And why does that matter? Because this whole mentality of everybody's a winner and everybody's going to get the same grade, it breeds a generation of soft, pampered, lazy, no work ethic wimps who are going to get their hats handed to them in the game of life. And it's part of the reason employers can't get people to come to work right now. It's not just the government's handing out money like candy. I mean, people aren't just sitting at home just because of these idiotic government programs paying them as much as you know they would get if they went to work. That's obviously a problem and does breed some of that. But the real problem is the person is willing to take the check and stay home. I'm not saying don't take the check. If the government's handing out the money, you know, right now I tell people, look, get the loans, get the money because the left is going to get it. And if we don't do it, if the people on the right don't do it, we're going to be weakened to a point that they'll defeat us everywhere. But that's not the point. What I'm saying is p- the problem is people are wanting to stay home and do nothing. They don't have a desire for purpose and passion in life They've, they they they're not following colossians where it says everything we do we do it the best that we can as unto god not unto men so we we don't stay home and sit on the couch we get out there and look for purpose we get out there and look for how can i make a difference in people's lives and that passion for life is just it's just uh, erased whenever we get rid of the honor roll whenever we give everybody the trophy why do you think probably not Whole lot of UFC fans listening, but why do you think Conor McGregor, you've heard the name, you've seen him on on television, why would this guy keep getting in the ring? Why would he keep fighting and going into the octagon? He's got hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. He's got a yacht worth more than half of Texas, I think. I mean, the guy's got money coming out of his ears, and yet he still goes to the gym every day, and he still wants to get that next big fight, and he still wants to live. He wants to be in the competition. I'm not saying he shares our biblical values. I think based on the way he talks and lives his life, he probably doesn't, but he certainly has a passion for life because competition helps to do that. And that's why I think there's so many places in the Bible that challenge us to do that, to live our life in that way, to live the gospel in that way, to say, I'm gonna do this the best that I can as unto God, not unto men, and have a passion for raising our children in that way and instilling that in them, and saying we're gonna work hard, we're gonna we're gonna instill that work ethic in them throughout their life, so that they become that employee that everybody wants, or that employer that creates an environment that everybody wants to be a part of. So New York City, you're wrong on this one. Don't get rid of the honor roll. Maybe what you ought to do instead of getting rid of the honor roll, maybe start having some Brazilian jiu-jitsu lessons. Maybe start having some UFC <laughs> fights in your skull. I know that I'm not really. I don't mean that, but just that concept competition and that concept of living life, not just sitting on the couch. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have an opportunity for you to call in here in a little while later in the program. Stay with us. You're listening to AFA at the core walkers out for the day. I'm Rick Green, America's constitution coach. Find out more at Patriot Academy. What is the source of America's greatness? My name is Abraham Hamilton, III, and this is the Hamilton minute. Alexis de Tocqueville, a 19th century French political thinker and philosopher, had this exact same question. On the heels of the French Revolution, he came to America in 1831 to investigate America's
4: ascendancy. In doing so, he found that America's greatness did not lie in her economic system,
3: it did not lie in her banking system, nor did it lie in her educational system. He found America's pulpits, aflamed with righteousness, was the source
5: of America's greatness. He opined that America is great because she is good,
3: but when America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Let us pray for a restoration of the flame of righteousness in our pulpits.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Your daughter's life is full of exciting choices that will shape her future. But sometimes you may notice that she gets wrapped up in making so many choices in a day that she experiences what's known as decision fatigue. If you find your girl is struggling to make the right choice, or quite frankly any choice at all, work together to simplify her day to day. Capsule wardrobes, quick pick snack options, these strategies help kids make choices easily and rightly. Philippians 4:8 instructs us to choose the right, the noble, the pure. When our girls know how to make choices on everyday things, we free up their hearts and minds to make bigger, godlier decisions down the road. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
0: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
3: Welcome back to AFA at the core. Walker Wildman is out for the day. I'm Rick green filling in for Walker. I'm America's constitution coach and you can find out more at patriotacademy.com. That's where all of our constitution programs are. We've got programs for youth, for old folks like me, for everybody in the country. And even if you know nothing, absolutely nothing. Don't remember anything from high school history or government or college or any of those classes, which, by the way, I slept through most of those myself because they were so boring. You know, don't you hate that when people teach history with just dates and names? They don't tell you the story. They don't they don't bring it to life where you can live it through the eyes of the people that experienced it. That's the way you ought to teach history. That's the way David Barton does it. And that's what got me on fire in my 20s was learning from David Barton. And uh, anyway, you can find out more. David's, of course, on our board and very involved with us And uh, patriotacademy.com, if you want to take any of those courses, you can even come out and shoot guns and learn about the Constitution at the same time. We have one called Constitutional Defense of Your Family and Freedom. And we train you on the Second Amendment. We train you how to handle a handgun and be safe with it and be effective with it and and be able to defend your family and exercise that biblical right of self-defense. Did you know the Castle Doctrine? You hear that quite often, right? The Castle Doctrine, that you can defend your home defend your family, defend your property, stand your ground, that sort of thing. That's a biblical idea. That didn't come from England. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. So anyway, we do a lot of that constitutional defense. We've got our biblical citizenship in modern America class. 50,000 people have gone through that in the last few months. We're super excited about all the citizens out there that are getting trained on biblical worldview and on how to be a good citizen and then putting that to work in their community, being the catalyst for a restoration of those biblical values and constitutional principles. we got a Monday night class. If you want to join us, it's live and it's uh, it's huge. we got about 30,000 people in there and it's just fun. We watch the videos, I take questions. David Barton takes questions and others, uh, just a great time. If you want to be a part of that free class, all of these classes are free by the way, all the constitution classes. If you want to be a part of that free class, go to biblicalcitizens.com, biblicalcitizens.com. If you got a question or comment today, call in at 888-589. Eight eight four zero. That's eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. We were talking before the break about New York City getting rid of the honor roll. How bad that is! Uh, it teaches people to be mediocre uh, and and embrace failure rather than working hard. A um, little bit, uh, a little bit similar story out of San Francisco where they're paying people to not commit crimes. Yeah, we're going to pay the criminal to not commit the crime. Of course, as soon as I heard that, I had this image of the godfather walking into that bar and saying, you know, just give me 10% of of whatever uh, you make, and I'll make sure that your bar is not robbed. I mean, it's absolutely a bribe to prevent violence. It's a horrible policy. But then again, you know, San Francisco is not known for being a bastion of liberty uh, that uh, instills biblical values that uh, end up working well. Not these days, anyway. If you ever go to San Francisco, you'll see the uh, Junipero Cerro... Um, street and other places named after uh, that man of God. It used to be a place uh, that reflected those values. Clearly, clearly this kind of thing, this legalized bribery, incentivizing criminals to hold the community hostage with a promise to not commit crimes only if they're paid. If you pay me, I'll be good. Uh, Nothing could go wrong here. Nothing. I mean, I I can't imagine anything being a problem with that. All right. Another story I wanted to share the uh, Chicago, Uh, the the city of Chicago has asked uh, unvaccinated visitors to quarantine, even if you have a negative COVID test. And let's just think through this for a minute. And and right now they're just asking, but then again, that's how this whole thing started, right? 15 days to slow the spread. Uh, I don't know how many days we're counting now, but uh, this is insanity. We have never in history quarantined healthy people who are clearly negative, don't, don't have the virus. And we're gonna quarantine them Anyway, it completely ignores the science. It's what we did last year when we did these moronic, I'm trying to think of a nice word to say, moronic, (laughs) stay-at-home orders, complete shutdowns. Never in history have we done something so foolish. I I think it's the largest, costliest, in terms of not just money, but lives, the suicides, the, 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 the addictions, the domestic abuse, all of those things. It's the costliest, worst public policy decisions ever made. In history, and and, and and an abuse of the disaster statutes in states that 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 uh, use stay-at-home orders and and shutdowns, and applied that to a pandemic. Those were meant for hurricanes and that sort of thing, like what we've seen in Louisiana. That makes sense, right? You, your neighborhoods totally wiped out, power lines are down, and some gang wants to go in and rob your house. But that that's the that's where you have a stay-at-home or a shelter-in-place or a, uh, you know control the movement of people and not let them in there. Quarantining healthy people, completely ignores science. I mean, look, I've had a bad case of COVID. I'm talking two weeks down. My dad nearly died from COVID. My wife was just, it was horrible. It's bad. It can be really bad for some people. It's nothing for most people, sniffles and and you're over. But for some people, it can be deadly And, and it can be a horrible experience. But here's the good news. If you've had it, you've got natural immunity and I've got natural immunity. And according to the study out of Israel, my immunity from having COVID is, get this, not a little bit better than the vaccine, 13 times better than the vaccine but this idiotic rule in chicago would quarantine me and not the vaccinated person who that same study out of israel says is 27 times more likely to spread covid than i am i mean think about what we're doing it it's it's we've lost our minds i've been saying it since last april we're the most highly educated idiots in history i say that as nice as i possibly can We got people with more degrees than a thermometer that have no common sense left, that that have no basic logic. And I did share a story on my social media from a scientist explaining why this is the case, why the natural immunity is so much better than the vaccine. And it has something to do with internal immunity versus mucosal immunity. Internal immunity, the vaccine does pretty good with, but it doesn't help with the mucosal immunity. That you need in your nose, and so that's why people that have been vaccinated are spreading the virus because they're still carrying the virus in their nose. They might have it in their virus, you know, they might catch it again, or just in their nose, but not in their body, and then they breathe it out. That mucosal immunity, you get that when you have the virus, when you actually get COVID, and you get that mucosal immunity. Now you're not going to spread the virus at all, and you're going to be able to kill the virus even when it gets into your into your nasal passages. So that, I mean, the science is pretty interesting when you look at it, and it starts to explain why God's system works incredibly well. The natural immunity of how our bodies work is amazing. These miraculous bodies that he created, but look, science doesn't matter anymore. The decisions are not being made on science and medicine. They're being made on politics and virtue signaling optics. And that's why our nation and the world is in such a Such a mess, such a mess. And it's not going to stop until we stop it. That's why we need some, you know, we just got to use our logic. you got to make your decisions based on what your study of the data and the science says, not based on what Fauci, I call him Pope Fauci because it's become a religion. People worship what he says. I don't think he should be trusted at all. He's been wrong every step of the way. The CDC has been wrong every step of the way. Don't get your answers from the government. Do some research and follow the science, but actually study the science to be able to make those good health decisions for your family and uh and and your future all right let's go to the lines uh we've got 888-589-8840 is what you can call in on and you might have a comment or a question i would love to hear from you 888-589-8840 first call is from jacob in arkansas jacob thanks for calling in man what part of arkansas are you calling from
1: northwest arkansas from fayetteville
3: fayetteville all right i still got I, i my dad and i still have a little farm in marshall arkansas my family's from arkansas
1: yeah my uh wife's grandparents are from there no kid that's where they're from yeah
3: well what's on your mind today um
1: well what i was going to say is listening to you at the very beginning where you were talking about people more people wanting to be um basically slaves wanting to um have people tell them what to do and make the decisions for them um i agree with you that you know probably more people want that and um, we shouldn't want that, except, you know, the thing is, is we we should want to be a slave, be, be a slave to the word, to, to the word of God. I mean, Amen. you know, um, if we're not wanting to make decisions, the word already tells us a lot of stuff to do. Um, it tells you if you're married to be faithful. It tells you, um, you know, not to covet your neighbor's stuff. It tells you not to do something evil. It tells you. it it makes those decisions for you already. So if we want to be slave to something, then let's be slave to the word.
3: Ooh, that's a good word, Jacob. I like it, man. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I love that. That's a good call, brother. Thanks for calling in, man. Nope, I think we all. All right, Jacob, have a good one. Next, uh, that was Arkansas. He's absolutely right. I love it. I love it. That's a good kind of slavery right there. Slavery to the Lord, literally surrendering our life. And you know, friends, that's part of why we're in the mess we're in in America right now is because we don't really surrender all. You know, when we sing that song, I Surrender All, we really don't because if if the position of the Bible is not popular or it makes us feel like, ah, we're going to make that person feel bad, back to the feelings, right? We're going to make that person feel bad because what they're doing is against the Bible. And if I tell them that, they're going to get upset or it's going to make them feel bad for their behavior and their choices. And so we're really not willing to be slaves to Christ and, and and truly surrender to his word if we're willing to go along with a lot of the evil and, and the deviancy in our, in our culture today. So Jacob's right, man. Let's become slaves to the word. Let's truly surrender all and let our culture again reflect that. Let's move over to Louisiana. Randy in Louisiana. Randy, thanks for calling in. Yeah. The state of Dustin Poirier. Go ahead, brother. Hey, is this is, is you got me? I got you.
2: Uh, anyhow, I heard you talking about David Barton the other day. I heard him. He was uh trying to get some efforts to get some people back from Afghanistan, and yes. uh, he said something like uh, one of his biggest uh, opponents was the state. Uh, I don't uh, recall that. Evidently, I slept through civics class. And uh, I don't recall that, but uh, it bothered me a little bit. didn't know how our uh, so-called government and what position they are in the government uh, has to have so much authority. So uh, I I really don't know. So I'm on a fact-finding mission, and since you jogged my memory, I decided to give you a call.
3: You got it, man. Yeah, Randy, it was, I got to tell you, bro, it was one of the most disappointing, frustrating frankly, disgusting things uh, out of that whole Afghanistan debacle. Um, you know, uh, you know. I mentioned earlier, the COVID crackdowns and response to COVID has been the worst public policy decisions in history. I think the Afghanistan situation is the worst foreign policy um, decision and handling um, in our nation's history at any rate. And yeah, you're right, David uh, David was actually involved in rescuing over 10,000 uh, between he and Chad Robichaud and Glenn Beck and that whole group. They, they, they saved a lot of Christians that were going to be killed, uh, frankly, and, and a lot of Americans. And so really thankful for their efforts and the folks that donated to that and, and helped make that happen. But one of the worst parts of that whole situation was they would get a, they would get a plane full of people being rescued and actually get the plane off the ground and already have permission to land in some country that they'd worked out a deal with. And the State Department would call that country and say, don't take them. Don't, we, 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 we're not we're not working with them. We don't want that to happen. It was just, it was unbelievable. And, and frankly, there's a lot of people in our State Department that are anti-American. They want America to look bad. They're bureaucrats that that uh, are undermining our country. They're they bought into this CRT I was talking about earlier, the critical race theory, and they're 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 into the whole Antifa, black Lives Matter thing, and they want to destroy. They want to tear it down. Those are people in our government, in our departments like the State Department. The State Department's for years been, you know. Not America First. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, they, even Ronald Reagan, when he was president, had to fight the State Department. His most famous speech: "Tear down that wall," or "Tear down this wall." You know, the the whole uh, calling communism evil and an evil empire. The State Department would always scratch that stuff from his speech and try to prevent him from saying those things. And anyway, it's a mess. I, I, I'll tell you, Randy, it's a mess at the State Department. Uh, they really got in the way. More lives probably would have been saved. Not probably would have been saved. Uh, but thank the good Lord for. Uh, the safety of david and and chad robishow and and all the others that were involved in that and now the missions are even more important and more dangerous because the americans that are that are still there have had to go dark not even you can't even use your phone they'll track you down we handed the afghan the the taliban we handed them uh, the 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 list uh we handed them the technology Uh, it was just ridiculous and so the missions now in secret underground literally it's like the underground railroad if you think back to the days before the civil war uh, and so pray, pray for the Nazarene Fund and and these efforts to, to get these Americans uh, and these Christians out uh, before their lives are taken. Appreciate you calling in, Randy. We're going to go all the way to the east coast of Virginia. David's calling in from Virginia. David, how you doing, man? I'm well. How are you? Well, very well, man. Blessed and highly favored. Much better than I deserve.
2: Uh, amen to that. Um, so yesterday I was listening to uh bishop bishop jackson i believe it um it was yesterday and he was talking with david burton um, and i was floored like literally i to no end that our own state department is doing what they're doing and yeah. um i'm disgusted I, I don't know where to go with this it's very overwhelming i i believe it but i i'm also like i don't believe it um But I'm calling because just a little bit ago you were saying, you know, um, about the CDC and um, don't trust your government. And, uh, you know, David uh, Burton was saying that the reason why we're in this, you know, situation where we are is because people don't know history. They don't know the, the history of the United States. We weren't, you know, a racist uh country and i kind of don't think we're a racist country now we just the the heat of things is you know currently right now it's oh yeah you're 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 racist and everybody's just you know going crazy and and people are believing you know this stuff but um
3: you know well and i I would say david there were definitely definitely times where certain areas of the country were absolutely racist, just like the rest of the rest of the world. So there's no question there's some of that in our history, a lot of that in parts of our country, you know, in our history. But boy, howdy. Today, America, a racist nation? We're the least racist multicultural nation in the world. Why do you think so many people come here? Red, white, yellow, black, or brown, Hispanic, black, you name it. I mean, they're coming here in droves, millions of them. Why? Because America is the land of the free and home of the brave. It is the place that people want to be. It has the most financial prosperity, the most liberty, all of those things, even with all of our problems, still the best place on the planet. And it's why everybody wants to come here. Uh, even the people that hate this country still live here and uh, still try to, try to tear it down, but they don't wanna go anywhere else because it's still the best place on the planet. Why? Because we applied biblical principles in the founding of the country and we've used biblical principles to make it better. It was the church that got rid of slavery. It's the church that led the civil rights movement. How about we get the church back involved and let's have a restoration of those biblical values and constitutional principles. Gonna take a quick break, we'll be back in a moment. Call in if you like, 888-589-8840 here on AFA, at school.
0: In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
4: I loved it, I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up.
0: The testimonies, are very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net.
6: May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And That's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles, and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Y E S W O R D. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. G'day, this is Joel with For King and Country. Many of us have a friend or a neighbor or a loved one who
4: struggles with substance abuse, and there is a way out. I started doing meth, and I was around a lot of dangerous people and dangerous things just so that I could continue to get high, and it was scary. It was just very, very dark. I came to Teen Challenge and Jesus has started to mend my broken heart and has put the pieces back together. I can feel the hardness of my heart becoming soft and it's miraculous. So if you or a loved one, whether a teen or an adult, is ready to end an addiction, Adult and Teen Challenge can help. You can call them toll-free at 1-855-END-ADDICTION or visit them online at teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American
0: Family Radio. AFA at the Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
3: Welcome back to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You can learn more at patriotacademy.com and sign up for one of our free Constitution classes, Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. That's the class that has just taken off this year. A lot of great teaching in there. I actually teach the Constitution at Independence Hall in the room where the Constitution was framed. We go to David Barton's library and he pulls out all these original documents, really, really cool stuff. Uh, We go out to California to Rob McCoy's church and enjoy a lot of teaching from Kirk Cameron on that uh, incredible founding uh, monument to the forefathers that's in Massachusetts. A lot of good stuff in there. Biblical citizenship in modern America. Check it out at PatriotAcademy.com. Let's go back to the phone lines if you'd like to call in 888-589-8840. That's the magic formula. 888-589-8840. Next up is Janet from Texas. Janet, thanks for calling in. What part of Texas are you calling from?
5: From the Panhandle. All
3: right. Amarillo or further north?
5: Uh, Further north. Pampa? No. (laughs) I won't speak where I'm from.
3: (laughs) All right. All right. Go for it. What's your question or comment today?
5: Let's just say I'm a country girl. I (laughs) love it. Yeah, and I'm a USA country girl, too, all the way. Good. uh, No, you know, the NFL... You know, I would like for our, our NFL to really study what does the, the letter N stand for? Doesn't it stand for national?
3: That's correct. Yeah, they 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 uh, aren't, aren't big. Go founding. ahead. I'm sorry.
5: Why are they going against our nation and our founding? And they need to honor America.
3: Well, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a little bit biased on sports. I tend to think there's only two seasons, the baseball season and the off season. Uh, just kidding. The football guys though, um, that's really where this, this kneeling for the, you know, the flag and, and kneeling for the national anthem and, uh, claiming that the entire country is racist and, and all of these things. Um, you know, that's really where it began, uh, you know, with Kaepernick and, and, um, uh, initially, there were some of the owners in, in, in the NFL, like Jerry Jones, that said, no, not on my watch. Uh, we're going to be pro-America and, and, and we're going um, you know, to realize that absolutely we've got sin in our history and absolutely there's still problems in our country. And look, I, I'll be frank right now. I'm saying there's things in my country that I am not proud of. I, I wish we would end abortion completely. I wish we would stop a lot of the things that our country is doing. So a country can always become better. We, that's why the preamble says a more perfect union. We're always going to fight for that. But you're hundred percent right, Janet. I mean, that flag, uh, that concept of of us being a nation that that comes together and, and fights to make it better, fights to uh, to improve instead of just you know being down on America and negative on America and frankly lying about America, lying about who we are today, and uh, and trying to you know uh, blame people for for things that happened four hundred years ago or or you know say that because you're white you're a racist you can't help it. That's that that's the critical race theory concept. They literally say. You can't change the fact that you're a racist, and uh, and that's why they do the things they do, and um, it's uh, it's being taught in our school systems, folks. You gotta, if, if that's happening in your school system, get your kid out of there. Uh, good call, Janet. All right, next call also from Texas is Eric. All right, Eric, you going to tell me what part of Texas you're from? Me? Hello? Hey, I hear you now, Eric.
2: Hello yeah, I have to put it on speaker. I'm calling from Northern Texas.
3: All right well welcome to the program what's your uh, what's your comment or question?
5: I wanted to ask uh,
2: what <clears throat> what verses in the Bible oppose slavery versus those that those who think the Bible the Bible supports slavery say that the verses are.
3: Well, you know, as, as you know, there's, uh, there's even a history in this country when we had slavery in the South of, of people, 100%. Christians, defending slavery with Bible verses where, you know, the, the slave is told to honor uh, their slave their master and, and to serve well and, and all of those things. Uh, you know, in fact, Tim Barton and I were just talking about this on, on Wild Builders Live the other day that, again, you have to put it in the context of the world and what was happening at the time and the teaching um, at the time. And, uh, and, and certainly there are those who do claim that the Bible uh, supports slavery. I don't think so. I, I think what the Bible was, was, you know, what Paul was saying in those verses and in other places in the Bible, it's even when you go back to, you know, the, the children of Israel in slavery and God rescuing them out of that slavery, that slavery was never lauded. It was never, um, you know, thought to be a good thing, but it was a condition of a fallen world. And so what do we do in this situation? What do we do with a government uh, that is tyrannical and forcing this on us? Uh, what do we do with a culture that's forcing this on us? How do we how do we deal with it? So that, that's what I would say about it in terms of the I can't I can't quote you chapter and verse of where those are, <laughs> so I apologize. But uh, yeah, I, w- I would definitely not be on the side of saying that that the Bible supports slavery, but that the Bible supports how do you live out a faithful Christian life in whatever situation you've been in. Joseph's a great example of that, right? I mean, Joseph, um, man, you talk about getting a raw deal. I mean, anybody today born in America or somehow got here to America that you you think you got a raw deal compare your life to Joseph I mean when your own family sells you into slavery throws you into that kind of a life uh, and then and then you end up and then you do a good job you do serve your master well and and you're faithful and you're and you're effective with what you've been given uh, in management as he was uh, within that household of Potiphar and then you're lied about and thrown in jail and, and to rot in prison. And somehow still faithful and somehow still have, I, I picture Joseph as having joy. I can't imagine that he rose to the, to the head of Potiphar's household and to, and to the, you know, respected in that jail uh, without having joy, right? And then to become literally in charge of the entire world, second only to Pharaoh and given the power to do everything and literally saved the world, right? I mean, you talk about doing the best you can with what you got where you are, <laughs> even in slavery. We need to read Joseph more often, and we'll be very thankful for our own circumstances. Let's head over to Mississippi. It's Kim from Mississippi. Can you still say, "mi humpback, humpback, or however we used to remember how to spell Mississippi? M-I-S-S-I-S? Anyway, all right. Uh, Kim, go ahead.
4: I want to talk a second about the vaccine, so to speak, vaccine. First of all, I've been kind of all over the place about it, like most people. I do not believe it's a vaccine. Uh, If it were a vaccine, it would be more like the polio vaccine, things that eradicate uh, this virus. This is not what that is. It's an injection, a shot, whatever. Um, My best friend and her son were both hospitalized back in January, this January, both with COVID. Both ended up on ventilators. The son was 33 and died within a couple of weeks. And my best friend was 65 and died. It took about three and a half months toll on her body horrific death and she died of COVID also and I work in a hospital and I watch the stats and I see the death and I know that it's affecting younger and younger people and I look at the percentages of people who are in our ICU units on ventilators vaccinated versus unvaccinated and almost 90 percent of those people are unvaccinated now, those are the stats that I see in the in the hospital that I work in. So I have a history of asthma. My husband is borderline diabetic. We considered the science, did the research, and prayed and opted to take the vaccine. For us, um, I think that was the right decision. Also, I have adult children, two of whom are diabetic um, and overweight. So they have underlying conditions as well. And I wanted to be, you know, for my family, the one that says, hey, you know, this will this, this will most likely keep you from getting that seriously ill. And that's what I'm seeing. Not that we're not going to get the COVID. I haven't gotten it yet, but every one of my children and their spouses and some of my grandchildren have. I haven't gotten it yet. My husband hasn't gotten it yet. So most of his um, people that work for him have gotten it. So I, I'm still kind of all over the place. But I know the numbers that I see and I know the deaths that I see and I see the seriousness of the unvaccinated people so I'm just going to say you know pray through I still don't believe it's a vaccine it still scares me that I've got it in my body but I see the numbers so I just wanted to tell you that um from a, you know from a healthcare worker standpoint
3: yeah Kim I appreciate your call I I think you did what a person exactly a logical scientific if i could use that word with you person would do you've looked at the not just the data in other places you've looked at what is happening right in front of you at your particular hospital and and if, if your hospitals the average of, of what even the CDC is now admitting it's about 25 percent uh, that are actually vaccinated and and um in the in the hospital and and they're also defining by the way that they're actually defining unvaccinated even if you had the vaccine in the last two weeks so they're monkeying with the numbers on that but I mean based on what you've seen, absolutely that was the right decision for you and and all i'm asking is that everybody gets to make that decision and they don't just listen blindly to the government and let the government make the decision for them because the government has been wrong every step of the way lied to us about the mask and that that would work that doesn't work told us get the vaccine you don't have to have a mask anymore oh wait now you get the vaccine you got to have the mask oh you got to get a second shot now you got to get a third shot whatever's going to make farm big pharma billions and billions of dollars I'm thankful for vaccines and, and and not these vaccines. I do think these are that these were approved way too soon. We don't know what the long-term effects are. It's not a typical vaccine. It is, it is a it isn't you know a different kind of, of technology, but I absolutely support you in being able to make that decision for yourself. I'll say the numbers are different in other places. In Israel, 85% of the hospitalized are vaccinated. Uh, 95% of those that are that are serious and, and probably not gonna not gonna make it. Uh, in, in Massachusetts, it was 70% uh, that were vaccinated that, that, that are in the hospital. So it's both. And, and just like you just described, I appreciate your honesty and your um, just transparency. And I hope I'm being that as well. We just don't know a lot. Uh, there, that so much is unknown, which is why mandating is so wrong, because we don't know what's for sure going to work and not work. And, you know, I've had friends die. Like I said, my dad almost died. The biggest lie that is costing lives, though. Is, is the government not talking about the treatments that work early on. And whether it's ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, Regeneron, all of these other things, to not talk about vitamin D and get every American to be on vitamin D, it's a great preventer of this. All of, all of these treatments that the science and the data is showing are absolutely incredible. And if you do them early when you get the virus, incredibly effective, and you don't get to that point of being on a ventilator, which pretty much means it's over at that point. Um, you know, that's the that's the real crime in my book. And, and they didn't do it because the law would have forced them to remove the emergency authorization of the vaccine. And thousands of people have died because they wouldn't tell people about these treatments that are working incredibly well when they're administered early. And Regeneron. Oh, my goodness. I just talked to a friend just last week. And that's actually when my my wife was pretty bad with COVID and, and the Regeneron and, and Budesonide is what really helped get her um, over it. Uh, but the Regeneron, I mean, another couple I just talked to that that, uh, man, that was what, you know, saved them. And, and uh, I just I'm you know, I'm mad at my own governor because he doesn't talk about Regeneron at all, even though it saved him. He claims it was just the vaccine, but he got Regeneron the day he was tested positive. And uh, thank you for Ron DeSantis for promoting Regeneron and getting more people to do it and putting in those places all over all over Florida. But but, Kim, I, I mean, I appreciate you calling and I think everybody should do exactly what you did. Study what's happening in your life, your family's life, at your local hospital, in your local area. Study the vaccines. Look at the benefits. Look at the risks. Realize what those risks are. We do that with every vaccine, frankly, with our kids. We did that with every single vaccine. We studied what does this prevent? What are the risks? What's the risk that my kid's going to get whatever the vaccine's supposed to prevent? And then we made individual decisions about, about each of those. That's the smart thing to do, and that's exactly what you did. You still with me? I probably talked too long. All right, Kim, thanks for calling in from Mississippi. Uh, we might have time for one more. No, well, maybe two more. Let's let's try John from Texas. John, go for it. John, you still with me? Hello. Yes, sir. What part of Texas are uh, you calling from? I'm in Oklahoma. Oh, well, go for it, Oklahoma. That's just North okay. Texas. Okay, I'm in Oklahoma City. I had a
1: question about uh, the heartbeat
3: uh,
1: anti-abortion laws, uh, yes. which I'm totally in favor of. Once a heartbeat is detected, you can't perform an abortion. But who is monitoring that a heartbeat is detected? I'm thinking, you know, the people in the room are the lady that want the abortion and the abortionist. Yeah. I don't think they're going to fess up to that.
3: Well I'll tell you good news first, John. The good news is that every clinic in Texas did uh, immediately comply yesterday and and stop doing abortions uh, past that, that, that uh, um, uh, play, uh, being able to be able to detect the heartbeat. Now will there be abuse of this? Uh, absolutely. There's no doubt that there'll be abuse of it. But I am so proud of my buddy Senator Brian Hughes. We've been fighting for the pro-life cause since we were 19 and 20 years old. I remember him walking into the first meeting for college Republicans together, and he had his little, you know, the little feet that, that pro-life folks wear on the on the lapel. Uh, he is the one that, that, that uh, uh, was the author of this bill and this, the strategy behind it and pushing it through, and it's a huge, huge victory, not just for Texas, for the country. This thing uh, will go back to the Supreme Court. Let's not over-celebrate the uh, Supreme Court victory er- earlier this week. That was just a, a defeat of the injunction, so they didn't decide the merits of the case, so <clears throat> it's just temporary that the law will stay in effect and that will eventually go back to the Supreme Court. But I am praying that we have five votes that will uphold uh, this incredibly strong pro-life bill. And then I'm praying that other states will adopt the same thing. Folks, you can make a difference. So I'm telling you, my buddy Brian's been at it. Like I said, it's been 20, well, all, no, 30 years he's been fighting this battle. And now to see this kind of victory. So do know that the principles work, the system works if we work it. So let's all be biblical citizens and go out there and live out that biblical worldview and have an impact on the lives around us. Sign up for our biblical citizenship class at biblicalcitizens.com. My name is Rick Green. I'm America's Constitution coach. I'm thankful to Walker Wildman for giving me the opportunity to fill in for him today. I'll be back with you next Friday, so have a fantastic week. God bless you, and let's go restore our constitutional republic.